0: One,
1: two,
2: three, four. Hi guys, I'm Marie. And I'm Maddie. And we're here recording Lost in the Woods. Yep. We're not Lost in the Woods though
1: unfortunately
2: <laughs> we wish we were we cannot wait for some hiking to open back up we're kind of going stir crazy as are the rest of you i'm sure
1: yes i think everyone's going stir crazy right now.
2: everybody a little bit yeah and it sucks even more because it's freaking nice out i know it is nice out today it's beautiful
1: but yet we are indoors
2: but we are indoors yep We were hoping the quarantine was going to be fully lifted on may 4th but it's been extended uh but yeah we wanted to say thank you everybody for coming to listen to another episode we really appreciate everybody who listened last week and interacted with our video lots of feedback on madison's attire <laughs> if you haven't seen the video, we posted it on Instagram.
1: Go tell us that you like my outfit. Because
2: my mom thinks <laughs> it's crazy It was bicycle shorts you guys. Bicycle shorts biker and...
1: shorts you, If you say bicycle shorts
2: but they are they're bicycle shorts. You're not like riding a motorcycle. you're riding a bicycle in those who shorts. Says? I would never wear shorts on my motorcycle. Now
1: I'm gonna get on a motorcycle in those Don't shorts
2: you dare Just
1: to no. prove you wrong.
2: I usually wear jeans when I ride. I should probably have better pants, but my shorts. jeans, when I crashed my motorcycle, my jeans and my leg was shredded. So... Worth it. <laughs> Worth it. Madison is officially never allowed to ride a motorcycle. It's official.
1: Joke's on you. I'm going to do it anyway. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I can't really stop her, you guys. I ride all the time, but I don't like it.
1: But tell, just go
2: tell us that you like my outfit because I'm not crazy. (laughs) Anyway, the outfit attire was not even the point of the video, but it has now become the point. It's now become the point. Yeah. So today we are going to be talking about the Keller family. Uh, We've got Peter Keller, Lynette Keller, and Kayleen Keller. This family lived in North Bend, which is about what, like a half hour east of Seattle.
1: I think it's more than a half an hour.
2: I don't think so. Are you gonna look it up?
1: I am gonna look it up.
2: Okay, look it up. Madison's gonna look it up. Stand by.
1: Oh fuck! You're like right on. It's thirty one minutes. I thought it was gonna be like forty five minutes. Oh, uh-huh.
2: looks like mom was right.
1: But it's like south, east, south by like a teeny tiny bit. It's east. <laughs> Anyway, so Peter, who was 41, worked at a solar power company. He was an avid hiker and a biker, and he was known to spend a lot of time in the woods. Hmm. Which that sounds kind of suspicious. Spend time in the woods. We spend time in the woods. You're right, but I don't think anyone would describe it as we spend time in the woods. They might. I don't know. He had a fascination with trains and guns. Kind of an odd combination, I think. Hmm. I feel like there are people who like guns and people who are like trains usually aren't of the same.
2: No, that's why I'm saying I don't see it. It's yeah. It's weird. Yeah. Okay. But every time I hear that somebody likes trains, I think of that guy who did the video with the train where he's like crying because he's so excited he finally got to see this particular train. Have you seen that?
1: No.
2: He's like <laughs> over the top like excited and he's so excited that he's like Crying happiness oh, in the video I just
1: think of the one scene where Dwight and um, Toby are spying on Daryl to see if he Actually broke his leg at work And then they hear a train and they talk About it and then they Yell at Daryl about the dog food When it's really his sister and then they run over the I don't remember hands. them talking about a train during that Part yeah huh. they talk about trains and Then like Toby knows the exact train And then they're like oh I didn't know you were into trains Okay weird <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Anyway. so he was described as having a distaste for authority. Yeah, I think a lot of people could
2: probably be described that way, but concerning. So Lynette was 41. She was a housewife, avid scrapbooker, and made videos online about scrapbooking. She also made crafts to sell at markets and fairs. She had been injured in a workplace accident and was collecting disability. Peter and Lynette had recently celebrated their 21st anniversary.
1: Okay, so they were married for a long time. Yep,
2: long time. 21 years.
1: So they had one daughter, Kayleen, who was 18. She was their only child, and she had recently graduated from high school. And she wanted to study video game design. She was described as bright and gentle. She was even known to save spiders from being squished.
2: Which Madison has done many times. Because if I have to deal with a spider in the house, it dies. But if Madison... to deal with the spider in the house it gets to
1: go live in the woods across the street
2: but it has to go across the street you can't just put it outside
1: well then it comes right back if i put it right outside it's just gonna walk right back inside um
2: but kayleen was described as having a very bright future the family was known to struggle financially from time to time and they had borrowed money from lynette's family so family and friends did see this family as a very loving family little did they know there was a darker side to peter That would lead to the death of the entire family. So on April 22nd, 2012,
1: when the world was supposed to end, guys.
2: Was the world supposed to end?
1: In 2012?
2: Why was the world supposed to end in 2012? Did you not live through this? Uh, I didn't know anything about the world ending in 2012.
1: Yes, you did. Remember the Mayan calendar ended? Okay, so on April 22nd, 2012, a call would come into 911. At 8.45 a.m., emergency services were called to the scene of a massive house fire in North Bend. Like we said, just east of Seattle.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: 31 minutes to be exact.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay, when firefighters tried to enter the house, they would find that the door was blocked. Once the fire was out, they found out that the front door had actually been blocked by a sofa, chair, and a gas can.
2: Yeah, kind of concerning. Uh, so um, I think really concerning. yeah, so I think at this point, it was really obvious that it was arson, right? I, I mean, feel like with the
1: door being blocked with the off, door
2: being blocked on the stovetop, they also found a skillet containing a plastic bag full of gasoline, and gas cans were scattered throughout the home. Cool. Again, very concerning. why, why, I wonder why gasoline was in a plastic bag, Like to give him time, I I
1: think that was it. I think he it's wanted so maybe bizarre. he wanted an explosion to happen. Like when the bag popped.
2: Yeah, the heat, I'm thinking. Yeah, I don't know. They found the bodies of Lynette and her daughter Kayleen inside the house. So sad. It was apparent immediately that they did not die from the fire or any kind of fire related issue like smoke inhalation or anything like
1: that. So then the fire was just to, like try to hide forensic evidence then?
2: Well, yeah, so I I think that at this point they're assuming that the house was intended to completely be destroyed by this gasoline by uh the doors being blocked. The problem though in this case is that the neighbors immediately noticed the fire and 911 was dispatched so quickly that they were able to put the fire out barely doing any damage to the house.
1: So it would make more sense for someone to start a fire in the middle of the night, like at 1 a.m. or something? I would
2: think so, too. Yeah, I, it I would, would take longer for people to notice. Longer for the fire department, probably, to get there. Because
1: I feel like that for our house, if one of our neighbors, sorry, our neighbors, if you listen to this, I feel like it, if it was in the middle of the night, it might take, like, an hour for us to even realize, especially the tr- over the over these ones over here with the trees and stuff.
2: Yeah. Well, and we do live in... So we do live in a more wooded area where... This is more of a neighborhood type style, so it would be more quickly visible. But again, if he had done it in the middle of the night, he might have had more time before somebody noticed it because people are sleeping rather than getting their newspapers or up and getting ready for work and things like that. Yeah.
1: So then, most likely, if it's in a neighborhood, there's someone staring right at the house. Like, from across the street at their own house.
2: Right. So it's going to be much more noticeable, for sure. So whoever set this fire was not maybe thinking it through, or maybe, we I mean, we don't know at this point. Both mother and daughter uh, had been shot in the head. They were found still in their beds, and it was believed at the time that they were shot in their sleep. I can't. I can't.
1: So Lynette actually had a shell casing in her hair. Oh. And Kayleen was at the top of her bunk bed. She had a bunk bed, that makes me even sadder. I don't know why. The family also had a cat and dog. Uh
2: trigger warning you guys.
1: They were also both shot.
2: Which I if you're setting fire to a house, why do you need to
1: shoot them? That's I but the thing is is that in all the cases that I've ever seen where someone shoots the dog or I can never wrap my head. What's the dog gonna do? Tell on you? Identify you? I know. Like
2: why? What, and just, really, what's the cat gonna do?
1: Why not just either like just let them? I don't know. Let them it doesn't. Live. It like, doesn't
2: make sense. But a lot of things are not gonna make sense. I'm in wondering this case. if it's a remorse thing. I don't think it's a remorse thing, but we'll get to that later. I have a theory about why the cat and dog were killed, but we'll talk about that later. Okay. 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 So the husband and father. Peter Keller was nowhere in the house to be found. Suspicious. Yeah, I I think this was suspicious right away to authorities. Where's Peter? He's missing. His family is dead. And his house has been set on fire. Right? This is kind of a strange thing to walk into. They would also find that two days before the house was burnt down, one, he had stopped using his phone. So for two days, there had been no activity on his phone. Two... He had withdrawn $6,200 from their bank account. His weapons were missing. Hmm. I wonder. Remember, he's a gun enthusiast, so he did have a lot of weapons. Did he have trains? I don't know. (laughs) Maybe. But his weapons are missing, which is concerning immediately. They did find his truck a couple miles away from the house with the keys in the ignition and the door unlocked. Cool. That's how I leave my car. Right? His mountain bike was... Also missing from the house. So I think immediately Peter's a suspect. So I feel like in any case, the spouse is always immediately Number suspect, one, right. Always number one suspect. Not only that, but Lynette and Kayleen were killed in their sleep. So it's not like some big event happened where... Yeah, someone like
1: breaking it, broken broke it,
2: into... It. Yeah, yeah, right. So I don't know. So immediately Peter's a suspect.
1: When police interviewed Kayleen's boyfriend, they learned that Peter had built a survival shelter.
2: Yeah. And
1: not only that, but he had been preparing for the end of the world.
2: Okay. So, to be fair to our preparing community, I guess, some people do feel the need to be prepared for any situation, right? Also,
1: this was in 2012. Remind you, as my mother doesn't know, <laughs> apparently,
2: but to anyone else who remembers Oh my gosh, this, I didn't even think about that. The
1: world was supposed to end in 2012.
2: Okay, so literally you guys, uh, Madison made fun of me earlier for not realizing that the world was supposed to. The Mayan calendar ended for right. those so, of you who don't so know. So a bunch of people thought the world was going to end in 2012. I never even considered that that could be linked to this case. So, Peter's preparing for the end of the world in 2012 by building a bunker somewhere. And it's April in 2012. The panic
1: has already begun to start because the calendar ended in 2012. So, then what was going to happen? Everyone was going to die.
2: Like, you know. Which, I'm sorry. That's a little crazy. But never connected those. That's crazy.
1: Okay. So, Peter's coworkers had also said that he spent a lot of time in the woods once again. Spent a lot of time in the woods. I know, it's kind of a weird... He
2: must have talked about it a lot. That's what I'm... For so many people to be like, oh, he spent a lot of time in the woods.
1: Because I feel like that if I were to think about anyone I know who hikes, backpacks, us and other people that I know, I would not describe it as spending time in the woods. Well, but
2: also we talk about the hike. We talk about our gear. We talk about things that happen on the hike. Maybe he's just talking about, like, spending time in the woods.
1: Well, he must.
2: He must, yeah. Because it's not like people are saying, oh, Peter did a ton of hiking. They're not saying that. They're saying Peter spent a lot of time in the woods. Very strange. But
1: no one knew where he was ever at in the woods. Right. No one knew where like anything my burp tastes like strawberry banana okay hurry up the fridge
2: is gonna come back on okay oh my (laughs)
1: god
2: that was weird okay so you guys we have a fridge in our recording room and it it's so loud and we don't normally notice it when we're recording but when we're editing we're always like oh my gosh we didn't notice that because we try to stop when the fridge turns on because it just it's just a weird background noise Which I don't know if any of you have even noticed it because I don't think anyone really will. Madison thinks that nobody will notice. I feel like it's so obvious, but I just predicted it.
1: Peter had also told his work that he'd be taking some time off work
2: Mm -hmm. and that he
1: may not come back at all.
2: I wonder if he gave them a reason. So at this point, police decided to put the public on notice, warning them to be vigilant while hiking or out in the woods because I think by this time, they're assuming that maybe he's out in the woods they've learned about his bunker they've learned that his mountain bike is missing yeah yeah
1: so it all adds up to uh he's in the woods
2: he might be in the woods
1: okay so in the house after the fire had dissipated the police found pictures in a safe of a bunker Mm -hmm. one picture looked like it was taken from inside the bunker and they were actually able to use forensic comparisons with a photo that was taken in the same area to determine that it was near Rattlesnake Ledge, which is a hike we've done.
2: Yep. In the safe, they also found some plans written in Peter's handwriting that showed that he had plans to build labs for viruses and nanobots. Wow. No one seemed to grasp what the ultimate plan had been, but it did seem that he had a lot of plans circulating around this bunker end of times scenario.
1: 2012, guys.
2: 2012. Like Maddie said earlier, Rattlesnake Ledge is a hike that we've done many times. It's a little crowded for our taste, but it's close by. It's nice and short. The baby can do it. So.
1: It's always been foggy when I go to Oh, so
2: sometimes it's foggy at the top. I've had about half and half luck with fog versus not. The view's really pretty when there's no fog, but when there's fog, you can see nothing.
1: Yeah, so I've seen photos, I know what it looks like up there I can imagine it, but Mm -hmm. it's super creepy when you're up there and there's fog because there's, on Rattlesnake Ledge there are steep drop-offs like you fall. Very
2: steep drop-offs and people have fallen from this ledge. Yeah. Uh, One really sad one a while back was a kid trying to take a picture near the edge and slipped and fell so kind of, it can be a dangerous hike, you really do have to be careful on it But it's only about 4 miles round trip, about, what, probably 1,100 feet of elevation gain. The highest point is only 2,000 feet of elevation gain. So we'll post pictures of our hike on Rattlesnake Ledge so you can kind of get an idea of what it looks like. But basically, they're saying that the bunker looks like it's really close to Rattlesnake Ledge. Oh, another thing, too, you can actually extend the hike by going to Middle or Upper Ledge, um east peak is really pretty it adds about 2.4 miles one way you can also traverse to Snoqualmie Park which is 8.3 miles away so you can make this a more difficult hike there's a lot lot of trails of
1: space
2: Mm -hmm. so two police officers dressed as hikers
1: moved through the area they were able to close in on him so they were actually able to find his bunker
2: Right, and one of the reasons they were able to do that is because a police officer actually looked up at the mountain in the area they thought he might be, and they were able to see a puff of smoke coming up from, like, the middle of the woods. They deployed SWAT to the location. Right, and also, this is, like, four days after the murder. By the time they find this location, by the time they get people to this location, by the time all of this is happening, it's about four days after the murder. So on April 27th at 7.34 a.m., police asked reporters not to disclose the location of the search for fear that Keller had a scope and might target police moving through the area. They were also worried that he might have a scanner or a radio and would know that they were coming for him.
1: Which is reasonable because he was a doomsday planner. I'm sure he has radios and scanners. Oh,
2: for sure. For sure. Yeah. So they even dropped SWAT members by helicopter. I think it was three teams that they dropped on the hill above where they knew Peter or assumed that Peter was. And then those three teams worked their way down the ridge each of them following a different stream. Police, at this point, they're afraid that the bunker might be booby-trapped, a 22-hour standoff with SWAT ensued. suit. They're struggling to get close to it. They're really scared that something might happen, that he's in there with weapons, that he might have explosives. They really just don't know at this point. The police had flooded the
1: bunker with tear gas, but it didn't force him out.
2: Right. Is he dead already? Does he
1: have a gas Does mask?
2: Does he have a gas mask? Which is totally I could see reasonable. him having a gas mask. I could see him having it. A... For sure.
1: Okay, so police had thought that they had heard a gunshot in the middle of the night.
2: Right. And I think at this point they were still concerned that they didn't know what that meant, right? The next day, when police stormed the bunker, which in order to do, they actually set explosives to blow the opening, the hatch off so that they could get in without something happening if it was booby-trapped. They found Peter dead inside. He appeared to have a self-inflicted gunshot wound. It seemed that he had shot himself on the upper level of the bunker. Spoiler alert, there are levels. So he had shot himself on the upper level and then fallen to the lower level. They also found a radio beneath his body confirming that he had been listening to their correspondence.
1: Police said it was almost like a log cabin underground. It seemed that he planned to live out his life there. They found video diaries in the bunker too. It seemed to be clear that for eight years, eight
2: years, eight years, that's a long time,
1: Peter had been planning for the end of the world. Two weeks before Peter killed his wife and daughter and escaped into the wilderness, he made a video.
2: Uh So we're going to play just like a little snippet of the video for you guys. about Because this is a long video. Yeah, it's about about 10 minutes long. We're going to play just two minutes and then we'll kind of talk about that. So yeah, here's the video.
0: This winter has been pretty brutal. It's been really slowing me down. I was hoping to be done about a month ago. But it's just constantly snowed. And last month has just been really, really wet and rainy. And... Uh, it's just, it's just can't do anything for a long time. But I'm hoping now that uh, the weather is going to change. It looks like it's getting better, it's starting to switch over. Can finally get everything up here and finish this off. Finally do what I have to do and get it out of the way. At this point, I don't know what's going to happen. It, I may get uh, caught right away basically if I get caught I'm just gonna shoot myself so I mean I could basically be dead in two weeks or three weeks I don't know it's all up to chance at this point so I don't think anyone knows where I'm at but if they put it together who knows at this point I have to take that chance so it's just gonna be a point of you know go as far as I can I do have my escape and that's death (laughs) I can always shoot myself and I'm okay with that so I'm getting to the point where just trying to live and pay bills and live as a civilian and go to work it just freaks me out it's actually more comfortable for me to think about living out here um, robbing banks pharmacies just taking what I want for as long as I can. At least it'll be exciting. It won't be boring. And I don't have to worry about Lynette or Kayleen. And everything will be taken care of. It'll just be me. So
2: So first off, I find his matter of fact tone so disturbing.
1: Yes. Very especially with what he's talking about. Yeah, well it it almost sounds like
2: he's Talking about a shopping list, something like that. His to-do list? No big deal or anything. Yeah. In the beginning, he seems annoyed about the weather. Like, oh, this weather's been holding me back. I was hoping to be done with all of this a month ago. Yeah. Ugh. He also says it's all up to chance at this point. Like, Like, he almost doesn't care if he gets caught or not. He thinks the world's gonna end. Well, but he's like, I might get caught. I might not. It's pretty much up to chance at this point. Like, To plan something like this for eight years, at least, right? He's been building the bunker for eight years. And be so nonchalant about whether or not you're going to get caught just seems crazy to me. Also, when he says, I do have my escape, and that's death. And then he kind of laughs a little bit and says, I'm okay with that. You guys, I literally cannot understand this. And then it just gets worse, right? So he's basically saying it's getting to the point where just trying to live and pay bills and live as a normal civilian and go to work, it just freaks me out. I'm sorry that freaks you out.
1: That's normal though. Welcome well, the society, my friend. Not
2: only that, but this is something that I find very strange. He's never not been a civilian. He has always been a civilian. He's not military. He's not... He was never living a different, more exciting life. Which is
1: why it's really weird that he uses that term. Right. So I find that kind of strange. Because if you haven't been in any situation where you would use the term civilians, why would... Because you are a civilian. Why would you... You are.
2: Well, and that just makes me think that in his mind... He's something greater. Yes. Something like that. Okay. And then he says it's actually more comfortable... For me to think about living out here, robbing banks and pharmacies and just taking what I want, at least it will be exciting. It won't be boring. What? Like, I feel like he's just upset about his boring life and just can't live it anymore. Which is crazy. Go change your life. Do Do something. something different, right? Don't kill your family and build a bunker in the middle of the woods. Yeah, he also says... And I don't have to worry about Lynette or Kayleen anymore. Everything will be yeah. taken care of and it will just be me. You guys, he is literally talking about killing his family like he's like putting butter on his toast. Like it's crazy. And like it'll be a relief. Oh, it'll be such a relief. Like when I don't on have vacation. To, yeah, when I don't have to worry about them anymore. So to us, that was the most crucial part of the video. You can see the full video. It's like I said, about 10 minutes long. There are a couple things in there that we thought were, um, strange. Like if you listen to it in the beginning, you guys, he actually, so he pans the camera to himself and he starts talking about, okay, I've got about two weeks left, whatever. And then he's like, no, no, that I didn't like that. And he pans the camera back, pans it back to his face. So we're here, got about two weeks. And then he like stumbles a little bit and then he's like, ah, and then he moves the camera back. And then brings it back to his face. Like, he's trying to get the perfect entrance into this video. It's so I just want to know what
1: audience he's making this video for.
2: Well, I'm assuming for whoever finds him. I mean, at this point, I think it's, like, either, like, a diary, like, of the end of days. Or, like, leaving behind for the police or for whoever finds it to explain why what he did made so much sense. I mean, I really don't know. He also says he's ready to fully commit to his plan. He says, I've come to terms with it, I'm okay with it, and it doesn't freak me out anymore like it did sometimes. But here's the thing, like initially, the thought of doing that freaked him out, and then now he's saying, I've come to terms with it. And then he goes on to talk about how it's a nice day. And he talks about how he's bringing his loads up, um, he says he's been bringing up about two loads a week, about 100 pounds a week. He talks about how winter has been brutal and really slowing him down. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I really, I can't. He also talks about hauling up that day, the day that he made the video, he hauled up beans and winemaking stuff. Like, you're just going to chill in your cabin drinking your wine after you kill your family? Like, I literally can't. He
1: also talks about how
2: he can be there for a long time, how he has supplies to last. Mm-hmm, yep. So he says that before, he would sit and think, this is crazy. And then after a while, he would come to realize that it's what he had to do. And now that time has passed, I just think that way all the time. So he's kind of describing like the disturbing progression of his psychosis or whatever this is. like
1: Whatever it is. Like
2: initially... It seemed crazy. I didn't think I could go through with it. And then now I just think it's what I have to do. It, it It's just crazy. Like the way that he just talks about how he had to go through this process to accept it and move forward. He also talks about his current project.
1: Then he gives a little tour of his bunker.
2: Yeah. So then he gives us a little tour of the bunker, which it's really dark in there. So you can't really see that part. But he's like basically like, oh, and here's my supplies. And oh, here's my fire. Like... He's just like giving us a little tour and then he's like, okay, long day. I'm tired now. going to go home. I've been up here for about seven hours. By the way, where does his family think he is when he's up there for seven Spending hours? Spending time in the woods. Well, I mean, obviously they think he's like mountain biking or something or hiking. I mean, I don't even know. But eight years of planning, you guys, if you really think about that and put it into perspective, that means that his daughter was 10 years old when he started plotting to murder them yeah. and hide away in the woods. And maybe initially his plan wasn't murder. I mean, I don't really know when that developed. We're not, we, we don't have that information. He, he didn't explain himself. Yeah, but still. But if he started building this cabin, it doesn't look like the cabin was built for multiple people. It's a very... It looks like it was built for one. So m- my thought is that all along he planned to kill his family... And that planning would have started when his daughter was just 10 years old. God. Which means he's taking her to school. He's making her breakfast. He's doing normal dad stuff while plotting her murder. Her death. I can't. So
1: Peter's Bunker, which he referred to as Camp Keller.
2: Okay. Well, I mean, you need a catchy name.
1: I guess. It was three levels. It was down 20 feet underground.
2: Which is crazy.
1: It even had a pulley system, which he used to move timber. Mm. And it had a window.
2: So he reinforced the cabin with logs that he had hand cut and debarked, which is a, a lot of work to do. The bunker was stocked with food. He had beans and barley, like buckets of them. He even had silicone packets in with some of the food. So that draws the moisture out so that the food doesn't go bad. He even had a bucket of candy, you guys, and... According to this bucket of candy, 100 Grand Bars were his favorite. So he had bottles of water and Coke. Which were neatly lined up, by the way. Of course. Of course.
1: Naturally, propane tanks, a generator, police scanner, radio, binoculars. He had a wood stove made from a metal
2: garbage can. Which is kind of smart. It even had ventilation, you guys.
1: Wow. He used PVC to route water to his camp. From a nearby street. Yeah, so
2: like PVC piping. Yeah. He used that to bring water into his camp.
1: It even had light switches.
2: You guys, this is crazy. He had light switches. Like, he had electricity in this place.
1: Eight years. He had eight years. Eight years.
2: So he had an electrical box so that he could use these light switches, right? They also found 13 guns, shelves of ammunition, and explosives. They found a bulletproof vest and this bunker had multiple escape hatches. So the family had been struggling financially, and yet he had hoarded thousands of dollars in this bunker. Even with all this preparation, I just want to point out that Peter only lasted five days before he killed himself. (laughs) I find it incredible that you can spend so much time planning, that you can spend so much time and effort into making this place that you plan on living out the end of days in and still managed to get caught in five days.
1: like Eight years. He had eight years. Yeah,
2: and I'm kind of like, wow, that's genius. Look at all these things that he did in this bunker. And then I'm like, wow, you're an idiot. Like, you got caught after five days.
1: He left pictures in a safe in the house that he tried to burn down. But
2: he did think the house was going to be burnt but completely in the safe. down. Right. But even if the house hadn't been burnt completely to the ground, I feel like, well, yeah, I'm not sure they would have found him If they hadn't found the pictures, honestly. Yeah. But a hiker did come forward and report that they had seen his truck because they posted that. You know, like, if you've seen this truck in any trailheads, let us know. And somebody did report that they had seen his red truck in the Rattlesnake Ledge parking lot. So they might have gotten close. Yeah. But it might have taken longer. True. Yeah. I don't know. Also, he had a fire going. Like, that's how they spotted him. Like, why do you have a fire going when you know people are searching for you? I think he thought that he was some level of invincible. Maybe. Or he just didn't care.
1: Either way. At this point,
2: he was also really close to hikers and trails. Like, why wouldn't you go further into, like, the middle of nowhere if you wanted to live out your days in this bunker? Yeah. I mean, he was really close to other hikers.
1: So, in fact, a man named Everett Paul was looking for a place to propose to his girlfriend.
2: Oh. And this is near Rattlesnake Ledge. Yeah.
1: While looking for this place to propose to his girlfriend, he ran into Keller. Mm-hmm. Wow. He was soaking up the sun and
2: Ever asked him if he was a local. Right, because he wanted some help finding a good spot to propose.
1: So, as the great person Keller is...
2: He helped him out. He helped him find a spot. They walked around like he showed him a spot or told him about a spot that would be really good. And this happened, you guys, the day after he murdered his family.
1: He was just soaking up the sun. Peter was like, yep, killed my family. Gonna soak up the sun. (sighs) This guy wants to propose to his girlfriend. Sure, I'll help him.
2: Uh, He did end up proposing to his girlfriend.
1: And she did say yes, FYI. On April 21st, Kayleen had talked to her boyfriend, Carson, and he thought that everything seemed fine.
2: Yeah, so that would have been the night before they were murdered. Or even the night of. I mean, I'm not sure what time they were murdered. But she had talked to her boyfriend, and he thought that everything seemed fine. So Lynette's twin said that he had never seen any signs of trouble
1: in Lynette and Peter's marriage. Yeah. Okay, so he thought of Peter as a quiet individual, and he thought of them as a loving family.
2: Yep, which we've heard multiple times. Yes. So obviously... There weren't a lot of outside red flags to this.
1: I don't see how a seemingly loving father
2: and husband can plot the murder of his family. Yeah, it just seems crazy to me. And, and while doing that, live a normal life with them every day. Like he could sit down at the dinner table with them and eat dinner like nothing was happening.
1: Isn't that, that's a psychopath, right? Like you can just go live your normal life Aside from your
2: crazy life.
1: Yeah, your psychotic breaks or whatever.
2: that is a psychopath. So they tend to be more manipulative. They can lead a relatively normal life and then go off and do crazy things as well. Right? It's not like a sociopath who tend to be erratic and rage prone and they're kind of unable to lead like a normal life.
1: Like, it kind of affects their everyday kind of stuff. Right.
2: I think a psychopath is a lot scarier. No, no. Psychopaths definitely scarier. For sure. One thing I wonder is whether or not his wife or daughter ever suspected anything. Like, they never said anything to anyone, but that doesn't mean that they never thought there might be something wrong. You know what I mean? But it was never alarming enough that they shared that with other people.
1: So, let's talk about why. Okay, Why? So was his life just too much for him to handle?
2: Right. He sounds like he just can't handle the boring life that he lives, going to work and living a civilian life. Like, to me, that seems like a crazy reason to kill your family. So I don't know about that.
1: Did he have delusions of grandeur?
2: I would say probably. I don't know. So Peter would be considered a family annihilator. There's really four known types of family annihilators, and depending on where you look, these differ slightly, but they all kind of have basically the same meaning. So, the first one would be like a self righteous killer. Usually, they hold the mother of the family responsible for the breakdown. This often includes some sort of loss of their children. So, like, say a divorce happens and a mother's going to take the children away from the father. That can prompt a family annihilator to, to act. So the second type is a disappointed killer. They believe that their family has let them down somehow. Their outrage can be sparked by something as simple as a child not following the rules or even religious beliefs. So a lot of times they have these expectations that their children are going to succeed and they're going to do these things, and when that doesn't happen... They feel like their family has let them down in such a way that they act out. And a lot of times that is tied to religious beliefs. Like there's the disappointment is tied to something religious.
1: So the third type is an Anomic Killer. They see the family as a symbol of their own economic success. But if they suffer some kind of economic failure, then the family is no longer like no longer serves its purpose.
2: So a lot of times that comes out when bankruptcy or loss of money or something traumatic, loss of job, like something like that has happened. The
1: fourth type is paranoid killer. Mhm. They're often motivated by a desire to protect their family
2: from like from a threat from A perceived threat.
1: Some threat that's Like the
2: end of the world, maybe? Mm -hmm. Possibly. And let's be clear. Like, these people aren't going crazy and just killing their family because they fit into one of these categories. Or a situation in their life fits into one of these categories. There is some sort of underlying issue already. Right? Like some sort of mental illness, some sort of something that allows them to snap because the average person is not going to snap for these reasons. Yeah. Yeah. So self-righteous and anomic are the most common types of family annihilators. And it's important to remember that family annihilators, it's never spontaneous. They never just wake up one day and say, I need to kill my family. That's rarely how it happens. It kind of starts slowly and develops over time, sometimes weeks or months or years. It is always premeditated. So think about Peter saying, it seemed crazy. And then over time, it didn't, right? So this idea took time to develop for him. A lot of family annihilators also kill in August, something like 20% of them. Weird. Right. So part of that is it gives them access to their children because it's summertime. So families are home. It also takes longer for children to be reported missing when they're not in school. Same with families because people take vacations. Your schedules are different. You're not necessarily going to work on the same schedule. So I think that's where August kind of plays in. But remember, Peter didn't have to worry about that because his daughter's home and not in school. And his wife is home and not working. So he, he had a very flexible time frame yeah he did you really you can't even compare a family annihilator to say a serial killer right like the mentality is totally different not to mention there's not the cooling off period but I mean like the process that they take in order to get there like I would say a family annihilator more closely resembles an active shooter or something like that yeah because
1: they're building themselves up for one single event like one goal that they have.
2: Right, they have like their end game. Yes. So when we look at the five stages of an active shooter, the first one we have is fantasize.
1: Um, which a lot of the killers will think about what they need to do and how they need to do it, and some even consider how it'll be portrayed in the
2: media. Yeah, I think that's pretty common. Like people wonder what will be said about them. They wonder, like, will people think they're a hero? Like, what will people think? Uh, the second phase is planning. So they decide what the best time would be and the best place to complete their
1: actions would be and what tools they'll need for it.
2: Yep. And then the third phase would be preparation.
1: Which is them actually getting the supplies they need or like emptying their bank accounts, building a bunker. Right. Or getting rid of things that they don't need. Yep.
2: Uh, the fourth phase would be the approach.
1: Which is when the killer is committed. They, they know they're going to do it at this point and they're going to make sure that everything's in place for them to complete what they're what they need
2: to do. Yeah, I think it's like the more of a mental thing, like they have now decided that, that this they, is what they're doing. Yep, yeah, that this is what they're doing. And then the final stage would be implementation, which so, is them the actual action. Act. Yeah. So I mean, if you really consider these categories and these things, I mean, I think that Peter Keller really fits well into this description. And I'm not saying all family annihilators fit into this description, but I think that Peter kind of does. So I just wonder if this is something, because there's not enough information out there or enough known about family annihilators. And I think part of that is because people just can't fathom the idea of killing their families. Like It doesn't make sense to them, so it's hard for them to really understand and research. And I feel like this could be an approach that could be taken to better understand them or to better see the warning signs maybe even. So if we go back to the four categories of a family annihilator, which if you remember are self-righteous, disappointed, anomic, and paranoid, I would say that Peter Keller is probably a paranoid killer with a dash of anomic. And the reason I would say he fits into those two categories is because one, on the paranoid killer side, So he thinks the end of the world is coming. And I think that in his mind, he needed to kill his family. One, either just so that he could go off and not worry about them. Or two, to protect them from some unimaginable future. Right? And it kind of ties into why I think maybe he killed the cat and dog as well. Like, he loved them and he didn't want to see them live whatever future he thought was coming their way. Right? Yeah. And then Anomic a little bit. I think he kind of fits into that category because the family was struggling. They were struggling financially. They were struggling. Like he might not have been in a ton of financial problem. Yeah. But I think that the way he felt about living the boring life and the way he felt about how he just couldn't stand or handle to do that one more day. Like I feel like that might lean more on that, the anomic side.
1: Yeah, I think you're right. I think that that I think that fits Peter's description pretty well.
2: Also, I mean, we don't really know. I think Peter was mentally disturbed, but maybe he just didn't want to deal with life anymore. Maybe he wanted to be selfish. Maybe he wanted to go off into the woods. We really don't know, and he really didn't leave us enough evidence. Like maybe the end of the world was his excuse for getting rid of his family. I mean, I don't yeah. really know.
1: Or. Maybe he felt like his family wasn't going to be able to survive without him and he wasn't going to be there for them because he didn't want to live the boring life anymore. So
2: he didn't want to, like, leave them behind. Yeah, because maybe... so bizarre, yeah.
1: He kind of strikes me as someone, like, as that. Like, he could,
2: like I want to go live in the woods, but they're not going to be able to survive without me, so I better make sure that they don't have to live that life. Yeah. Um... If we look at other family annihilators, like, I don't know if you guys know Josh Powell. That was a case, that was a rough one a while back. He was, I would call him a self-righteous killer. So basically, he murdered his wife. And while he was being investigated for or getting ready to whatever, so his kids were in protective custody and he had supervised visitations of them, his two boys, And he decided that he was going to kill his kids and kill himself because his kids were being taken away from him. He couldn't live without them. Like, he blamed their mom, which is probably why he killed them initially. So I think that what ended up coming out was that the couple was getting ready to split up. And instead of Josh letting that happen, he killed her, hoping he would be able to get away with it. And then when the police started closing in on him, he decided he was going to kill His kids and himself.
1: In an extremely horrific...
2: Extremely horrific way. I don't know a really, It's a really disturbing case, but it... It's so disturbing, you guys. Like, he basically took, like, a hatchet to his small children and then lit the house on fire. And neither of them died from their wounds. They actually died from smoke inhalation. So they were still alive when he lit the house on fire. And the social worker was coming up the path to the door right behind the children. And he basically... Like, looked at her.
1: Slammed the door in her face. Yeah, he
2: kind of, like, almost smiled a little bit. And then he slammed the door in her face and locked it. And she could hear the children screaming. She could smell the gasoline. And she's on the phone with a very incompetent 911 operator. Who is, you know, basically not understanding what she's trying to tell him. And then
1: just telling her to back out of the driveway. So she does. And then the house blows
2: Yeah, anyway, super incompetent, super crazy case, and I think it'll change our system a little bit for the rights that parents in this situation have because he should have never been having visitation at his house. It should have been in an environment that the social worker could control, and she had no control over what was going on in that household. But not all family annihilators fit into these four categories either. Like, if you think about Chris Watts, like – this crazy man killed his pregnant wife, killed his two daughters, and did it all because he wanted to be with his mistress. Instead of running away or leaving, getting a divorce, yeah. just leaving like a normal person, he could have just disappeared. He could have disappeared. Off he could have walked away. He could have done anything. And this girl that he was dating, you guys didn't even know that he was married. Didn't know he had kids. No, had no. She had. Actually she actually hurt. helped bring him down. Nicely done. But that's a family annihilator that I think is the most bizarre because literally you're not killing yourself, right? Like you're, you want to keep on living, but you just want to be with your mistress. So there was no imminent danger to his family. He wasn't killing them to spare them from some unimaginable event. He just wanted to be with his mistress. So I think the difference between Peter and Chris, like Peter wanted to go live in the woods. Chris wanted to go live with his mistress. Which they're the same in that way. They're the same in that way. However, Peter thought, I think, that he was sparing his family from something and that they had to die where maybe Chris thought the same thing. Maybe he thought his family couldn't live without him. But I find trouble believing that because he had this mistress on the side.
1: Yeah, I think that he just didn't. They not want to pay child support. I think that he just thought it would be way easier if he just killed them.
2: Well, and even if he didn't want to be with his wife, maybe he didn't want anybody else to be with his wife either. Yeah. I do think that Chris Watts is the worst type. But yeah, that is the story of Peter Keller and his family.
1: And his crazy-ass bunker.
2: And his crazy bunker. But yeah, thanks for listening, you guys. Thanks for showing up again. We're so excited to have all of you uh, tuning in and listening. And we really appreciate you guys. Yeah. Yeah. So thanks for tuning in and we will see you next week.